Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Using an interview format, Pastor Bob will introduce you to men and women whose ministries are impacting this world with the gospel and will also provide commentary and insight on end-time prophetic events we now see happening in the news. Now here is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast today. Today is a special day for us here at the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Today and this is episode number 600. 600 episodes in and less than three years. Praise God. God is good. And he has put us in touch with influencers in the Christian genre all around the world authors, musicians, television hosts, preachers, pastors, ministers, missionaries, and we are still going strong today. Amen. Today is part two of my three-part interview with Dr. David Reagan. What a better day to celebrate episode number 600 than with an interview with an influencer like Dr. David Reagan. He's the the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries. He's the host of the television program, Christ and Prophecy. And he's the author of a brand new book called God's Prophetic Voices to America. Now, if you missed yesterday's episode, you need to go back and catch up because although I'll back up just a little bit, I don't have time to recover everything that we talked about yesterday. But today, Dr. Reagan will be starting off by sharing with us some insight into David Wilkerson, one of the prophetic voices from the past. Uh, uh, Oh, wow, did he impact the United States. And we'll be talking about remedial judgments and how they are affecting the United States. Some you may be aware of, some you may not. But let's jump right back into the interview with Dr. David Reagan. Wow. So those are the four voices from the past. Yeah. Yeah, amen. And, you know... Even David Wilkerson, I mean, I, I wasn't familiar with him in his ministry yeah. back then. Uh, I started following him probably a couple of years before his death. But, uh, I mean, what he was saying was considered way out there back oh, then. Oh, yes. It, his, uh, yeah, he had a, a book in 1974 called The Vision, in which he said God had given him a vision. And the first part of that vision, I mean, almost all of it has been fulfilled since then, but the first part was very interesting. He said, God has told me that there is going to be a tremendous economic calamity in this nation in the future. And he said, point blank, it's not going to be a depression. It's going to be a great recession. And he said, that great recession is going to result in some of the major corporations of America declaring bankruptcy, and it's going to result in a political revolution. And that's exactly what happened. We had the Great Recession. We had companies like General Motors declaring bankruptcy. And what happened? It resulted in a political revolution because it occurred, the the stock market crash occurred during the uh, 2008 2008 election, and it sealed the doom for uh, John McCain, and Obama was elected. That's right. Amen. Can you give us a few examples of remedial judgments that we have seen in America and what precipitated them in the first place? Well, yes. Uh, of course, this nation uh, uh, began to rebel against God in the 1960s. All through the 1960s, we had what was called the sexual revolution. As you know, we had the hippies, yeah. and we had people shooting LSD and drugs, and people dancing in the streets, and women refusing to wear bras, and all that kind of stuff. It was tremendous rebellion against God. And I think that in response to that, uh, God put the Vietnam War upon this nation as a remedial judgment, uh, a war that caused tremendous division in this nation, mm-hmm. tremendous heartache in this nation, uh, a 
war that uh, we ultimately lost. And um, it, it was just a, a, a very, very sad situation. But it was a remedial judgment. We, we reap what we sow. And, uh, you know, take Hurricane Katrina, for example. Hurricane Katrina uh, formed in the Gulf. Usually the hurricanes come across the Atlantic. No, yeah. this one formed in the Gulf. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it just formed overnight. And when did it form? It formed right during the last three days that we were forcing, absolutely forcing Israel to withdraw from the Gaza Strip. We had told them they've got to do it. We'll cut off all aid to if you don't. And, and we also told them that's just going to be the first thing we're going to demand. So we were forcing Israel out of the Gaza Strip, forcing them to blow up their synagogues, forcing them to evacuate their cemeteries because they knew that when they left, the Palestinians would come in there and desecrate the graves and desecrate the synagogues. And we were doing all that, and that's exactly when this storm yep. formed. Not only that. But it was also formed on the very eve of a horrible celebration that goes on in New Orleans every year, where they have uh, the, a week dedicated to the homosexual lifestyle, and homosexuals come from all over the nation and parade in the streets, most of them half-naked or naked, and they parade in the streets, and they call it the Jezebel Convention. Mm -hmm. And that was getting ready to start. And I think those two things prompted God to allow that storm to suddenly form, move in on New Orleans, and say to this nation, repent, or it's going to be even worse. And then we had the 9-11 attacks, uh, which were, you know, again, God calling this nation to repentance. And, and uh, people say, well, well, are you saying that God does those things? I'm saying that everything that happens, God allows it to happen, or he does it directly. Mm -hmm. Quite often, he just allows it to happen. And he allows it to happen because he uses these events, both, both man-made and natural events like Katrina, to call people to repentance and to get their attention and, and because he loves them and he wants them to repent. He does not want to pour out judgment on them. But, he, you know, you won't believe this, brother, but I preached a sermon about this at a very, very large church in Arlington, Texas, uh, about three months after Katrina uh, mm -hmm. hit, talking about how it was a remedial judgment, calling yeah. God, uh, calling this nation to repentance. And the pastor got so mad that... Uh, he told me he would never have me back, and I said, why? He said, because that's the God of the Old Testament. <coughs> he said, the God of the Old Testament is the God of judgment. The God of the New Testament is the God of grace. Mm -hmm. He does not do things like that. I said, listen, the Bible says <coughs> God never changes. Yeah. God is always the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. And the God of the Bible is consistent. He always warns before he pours out his wrath, right. and he is warning us with remedial judgments. That doesn't mean he does them directly, but he allows them to happen, because God is sovereign. Yep. Nothing can happen unless he allows it to happen. Never once in the Bible is anything bad like a drought or a famine or any, uh, a foreign army. Never once do the writers ever blame it on Satan. It is always from God, mm -hmm. yeah. because he's sovereign. That's right. Amen. And I, I, I believe with 9-11, the day before, September 10th, the State Department, the United States, they had all reached this deal to force Israel to do something else. I can't remember exactly That's what right. it was right That's now. Right. It was like the day and before 9-11 happened, and then, you know, Yes, and if you want more information about that, your your listeners should uh, get Bill Koenig's book. Bill Koenig is a White House correspondent, one of the prophetic voices, current prophetic voices I talk about in this book. 
And he wrote a, a uh, book that uh, is really amazing along that line, where he shows how every time we mistreat Israel, there is an immediate judgment put upon this nation. Yep. And he chronicles these, I mean, one after another. The book came out, it's called Eye to Eye, and it came out in 2004. And you know what's really interesting about that book is on the cover of the book, Eye to Eye, and, and it's the subtitle is uh, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. On the cover is a picture of George Bush, mm -hmm. and George Bush is looking to his right, and to his right is a hurricane, and in the center of the hurricane is the uh, insignia of Israel, the Star of David. That's 2004. Mm -hmm. It was a year later that Katrina occurred. Yeah. And I said, man, alive, where'd you get the idea for that? He said, that came from my wife. Said she prayed and prayed about it and insisted I use that as the cover. Wow. And it was prophetic in nature. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Amen. And as you said, most of the preaching today has to do with the quote-unquote love of God and the grace of That's God right. and the mercy of God. Very little right. to do with the fear of God. Well, you don't ever hear anything either about the wrath of God. Yeah. You know, I, uh, back in the 1990s, I had a call from a fellow in Oklahoma City. He said, I'm the producer of the number one rated uh, talk show, radio talk show in all of Oklahoma. And he says, uh, my... Uh, host wants to interview you. And I said, well, is this a Christian program? He said, no. He said he is a Christian, but he doesn't let anybody know that. Well, that should have been a red flag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, but uh, he, he wants to interview you. So he gets on the, uh, I, they comes for the interview, and he very graciously said, well, tell us a little about your ministry. And I did. And he said, okay, what is your, what is the fundamental message of your ministry? I said, the fundamental message is that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Jesus is returning soon. And that's a two-edged sword, that message is. For the believer, it's a call to evangelism and holy living. And to the unbeliever, it's a call to flee from the wrath that is to come by fleeing into the loving arms of Jesus right now. And he said, what do you mean by wrath? I said, I mean by the fact that God is going to pour out his wrath on this nation and ultimately on the whole world in the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. He said, sir, I've never heard such a thing in my life. He said, I've gone to church all my life. And he said, the Jesus I know wouldn't hurt a flea. And your God is a monster. And he hung up on me. And that was the end of the interview. <laughs> and, you know, if I'd had a chance to, to respond, yeah. uh, I would have pointed out to him that that uh, person, wow. that uh, Jesus, who he said uh, was meek and mild and gentle and simply would not hurt a fly, is the same one who told uh, one of the churches, uh, the church uh, in uh, uh, Thyatira, where there was a Jezebel, that if they didn't deal with her, he said, I will cast your church upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. And he says, I will kill the children and the pestilence will be upon the church and so forth. And I thought, this is the mild and meek and uh, Jesus right. who never hurts a fly? Come on. Right. But you never hear anything about the wrath of God. Never. What? Now, the old-time preachers did. They preached it all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you, you go back to the early history of America and look at the sermons preached by the early oh, uh, yeah. uh, Puritan preachers over here, uh, before even before the Revolution, you will see that every time something terrible happened, they would say, this is a judgment of God. We need to repent. They had to have prayer sessions and repent. Yep, absolutely. Why do you think it's so hard for preachers to say things like that today? 
Well, I think the focus of the church today is on one thing, and that's church growth. And we've got, you know, we can't we can't proclaim the gospel because that that offends people. So let's just preach little uh, psychological, um, uh, make them feel good ditties. You know, uh, you can here's how you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just think positive and have a good positive attitude and and so forth and so on. And and we'll build up a big church. We'll yeah. we'll have church growth. Uh, but we we don't want to offend anybody. We want to be seeker sensitive. We don't want to have a cross that might offend somebody. We want to right. don't want to proclaim. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus because those kind of things just get people offended. Oh, okay. Well, the Bible itself says the gospel is an offense. Sure, it's an offense because the gospel proclaims that we're sinners and we need the the uh, the only hope that we have is to put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Beyond that, we have no hope whatsoever. Yeah, Amen. And yeah, it just. It offends me when I go to, into a church, oh. and all it is is you know like positive affirmations. <laughs> They're not really sharing well, the word either. They're just saying you know yeah. you can do it. You can say I can do it. I can do it. And then they use scripture know, I, like I can do all things, but they leave out the last part. I think also the church desires the approval of the world, and so as a result of that. Uh, we have even quote unquote evangelical pastors. I won't name them, mm-hmm. but we have quote unquote evangelical pastors today who are saying, "Well, you know, homosexuality—that's just a matter of opinion." And same-sex marriage. Well, yeah, we're willing to perform those ceremonies. Mm-hmm. At, at whatever it will do to get the world's approval. Yeah. Well, when the church starts receiving the approval of the world, there's something wrong Absolutely. somewhere because the church is supposed to be calling the world to repentance. Amen. Amen. But God has not left us without messengers today. And in your book, That's right. you a section for current voices in America. Can you share oh, some yeah. of those voices and how they've And these are some of the best-known names in America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things when I compile this and I look back on it, one of the things that's jumped out at me is that none of these people are people who are primarily uh, have ministries of, of Bible prophecy. Uh, so often the Bible, uh, I know a lot of guys in the Bible prophecy ministry because I have a Bible prophecy right. ministry. Mm-hmm. And so often their focus is on the technical points about whether the rapture be pre-trib, mm-hmm. mid-trib, post-trib, uh, pre-mill, mill and so forth like that. But they are, they don't seem to be speaking out to the society about the need for repentance to avoid the judgment of God. And so most of these guys are pastors, and uh, it's a remarkable group. The first one that I mentioned in the book was raised up by God in 1976, almost the same time as Dave Wilkerson and Schaefer, except he's still alive today. Mm -hmm. And that was Donald Wildman, and many people know of him. I mean, uh, he was a pastor of a little church in in, in Tupelo, Mississippi. Little is is the important word there. It's not like a mega church. He was a pastor of a little church. little country church. And I wondered often, I wonder how many times God called some pastor of a mega church to step out and speak out against the horrible things going on on television mm-hmm. and radio in America today and call this nation to repentance and to stop Hollywood from making the kind of movies they're making. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, you know, Lord, I'm just a pastor of a big church. Who knows? But this man stepped out. In 1976, he had it. And one night he sat down to watch TV with his family, and every station that they listened to, that they turned to, was, was inappropriate. The language is inappropriate, or there were people in bed together, or whatever. And he just got fed up with it. So he sat down, and he wrote a letter to the uh, uh, media in uh, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And he said, fellas, I'm going to call 
for America to boycott television for a month, just boycott it for a month. And he said they must have had a very dry day that day with news because he said the Associated Press, for some reason, picked that up. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, it was all over the nation. Of course, that was God engineering that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And out of that came the Great American uh, Family Association, which is one of the foremost organizations in America today, speaking out in behalf of decency and calling this nation uh, to, uh, uh, to repentance. And I know Donald Wildman personally. And I'll never forget what he told me one time. He said, David, I have been in this ever since 1976, and it's been a tough fight. And he said, the worst letters I get are from pastors. He said, I get derogatory letters all the time from pastors saying, Don, you are wasting your time. You are spinning your wheels. You started in 1976, and movies and television are 100 times worse today than they were then. You are not winning. He said, I get those from pastors all the time. And he said, you know what I do? I write them back and I say, God did not call me to win. God called me to stand and speak out in behalf of righteousness because we're not going to win until Jesus Christ returns. That's right. Amen. Amen. But it's sad to think the pastors are the ones who are attacking him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, some of the others that I mentioned of current voices or people like Erwin Lutzer, until recently was a uh, pastor of the great Moody Bible Church in, in uh, uh, Chicago, and he uh, uh, has been emphasizing over and over the evil nature of man. You know, humanists teach that men are basically good and uh, that they're corrupted by society. The Bible says man is basically evil. Yeah. He is born with an evil nature, and he emphasizes that in his writings and tries to emphasize the fact that humanism is totally wrong. A great writer, he's a uh, pastor emeritus now, but continuing to write on this theme. Uh, David Jeremiah is one of the best-known yeah. pastors in America, mm-hmm. a man who is a great on speech, uh, teaching about Bible prophecy. And he is a po- person who has been speaking out against the rebellion of our nation. Amen. He has great books out there uh, concerning the rebellion of our nation. Uh, one of the best of his books uh, is one uh, entitled something like, I Never Thought I'd... I never thought I'd see the day, I never, you know, the day when we have all the kinds of rebellion that's going on in this nation. I talk about Bill Koenig, whom I mentioned a few moments ago, who is a White House correspondent and who is the major voice speaking out in behalf of Israel and our treatment of Israel. Then there's Jan Markell. She's the only woman I have in the group. Jan has a great radio program nationwide. She is a Messianic Jew. She has a ministry called Olive Tree, and boy, does she speak out against apostasy yes, in the does. church. I mean, yep. all the time. And, and she has a saying that's one of my favorites. Her saying is, people always call me and say, the world is falling to pieces. And I say to them, no, all the pieces are falling into place. Amen. Because the Bible says that in the end times, society is going to become as evil as it was in the days of Noah. And she says that's exactly what's happening. So yes, all the is. pieces are falling into place. Yep. I, I, I mentioned Albert Moeller. Albert Moeller is one of the great intellects of Christianity, and, and he is a voice confronting intellectuals. We need somebody like that. His stuff is very difficult to read, extremely difficult, because he is an intellectual, and he's writing to intellectuals, not to mm-hmm. the common person, but right. to intellectuals. But we need that. And he's the one that the press goes to when they want comments about something going on in Christianity. And, and the man, is a, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in, uh, in uh, 
Louisville, Kentucky, and he is a tremendous asset to the Christian community today. And then there's Franklin Graham, my hero. Franklin <laughs> Graham is, I tell you, he is out there on the front lines uh, calling this nation to repentance. He is a strong voice. He does not tiptoe through the tulips. He calls it the way it is. He calls sin, sin, and he calls for us to repent. And the press just hate him with a passion. In fact, if you want to know how much he's hated, just type his name into Google and look at all the articles attacking him and calling him names. And usually what they say is, oh, if he would only be like his father, if he would only be. Well, his father was a great evangelist. A tremendous evangelist. Franklin Graham is not an evangelist. Franklin Graham is a prophet. He's a prophetic voice, and he is speaking out like nobody else. And in fact, I believe that one of the reasons that Trump won uh, in the last presidential election is because Franklin Graham went to every state in the United States, everyone, and held a prayer rally, not for the election of Trump, but prayer, a prayer rally for this nation, that this nation would repent and that, would God have, that God would have mercy upon this nation. And I believe those prayer rallies, uh, I, I believe with all my heart, that's one of the main reasons that Trump won the election. And I thought it was also interesting that every one of those rallies, he began with the same statement. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. Our hope is not Republicans. Our hope is not Democrats. The only hope for this nation is Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. You know, uh, when I, people ask me if I'm a Democrat or Republican, I say, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a monarchist. They said, what does that mean? I said, it means that I have devoted my life to doing everything I possibly can to prepare the way for the coming of the King of kings and Lord of lords who's going to reign in glory and majesty as an absolute ruler from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And then the last two I mentioned are Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in uh, in Dallas, who is a tremendous prophetic voice, and Jonathan Kahn, who's very controversial. But I, I don't agree with everything Jonathan says, but I agree with one thing. His fundamental message is that America is under the judgment of God right now, and that if we don't repent very quickly, God's going to lower the hammer on us. Amen. Amen. And you know, I, and then I conclude the book with a chapter entitled "Is America Doomed?" Yep. So, Amen. And that's where I speak out. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, let's let's. I just want to touch base on a couple of the the voices you talk about. Robert Jeffers, yeah. the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas. You know, right. I remember listening to Dr. Criswell, his predecessor, on the radio oh, yeah. when I lived in Texas. But Pastor Jeffers has taken on the role, basically, of a national spokesman for Jesus today. Yes, uh, that's, he, uh, he has. He's a, he's the guy they go to to get the Protestant viewpoint. That's right. Yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> and uh, and he has and he's very talented at that. He understands that television deals with sound bites. Yeah. And uh, so you you cannot go into detail about anything. You've got to have put things in short, spiffy sentences yeah. that really hit home. And he knows how to do that. Yeah, he does. And, and some of the quotes just upset the. <laughs> Oh, it gets the left frothing at the mouth, <laughs> which hey, means he's doing something right. That's right. That's right. You know, in the army, I was a drill sergeant, and uh, I was called in one day, and they said, "You know, your your troops hate you." I goes, "I must be doing something right then," because <laughs> if they love their drill sergeant, something is wrong here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, you're trying to prepare them for war, brother. <laughs> Hey, man. Oh, man. Well, I know Israel holds 
a special significance to you and to Bible prophecy, but oh, I'd yes. like you to Amen. address America's relationship with the nation of Israel. Because the Bible's clear that in the final days, every nation will turn against Israel. And that term, That's every right. nation, also includes the United States. Now, how's that yes, taking shape, and how does it look moving forward? Well, of course, we've had some very good, uh, we've had the best relations ever with Israel under President Trump, and I praise God that he finally did what president after president after president for him promised to do, and that was to recognize the city of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and he finally, he kept his promise and he did it. So we've had great relations, but Trump's not going to stay in office forever. Even if he's reelected, he can only serve two terms. And we can see the handwriting on the wall of the future. The Democrat Party has turned against Israel. Every major Democrat spokesman that I know of in the Democratic Party is speaking out against Israel today and saying we've got to side with the Palestinians and, and so forth and so on. Even Bernie Sanders, who's a Jew, is very anti-Israel. Yeah. And so we can, uh, you know, it's it, it, it just, it's really sad. This is going to be the future. We are going... Obama turned against Israel. He was the worst president we've ever had with regard to relationships with Israel. But that that was no surprise. He sat for 25 years under the teaching of an anti-Semite in uh, Chicago who every sermon was running down Jews and running down Israel. And so it's only right that uh, only to be expected that when he became president, he did everything he could to undercut Israel. And uh, it's going to happen again in the future. Mm -hmm. The whole world turned against Israel more than ever before when Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital. The whole world came against Israel. And we are too. We will in the future. We will turn against Israel because the Bible says so. In Zechariah chapter 12, it says a whole world is going to come against Israel over the issue of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that before our very eyes. Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. Wow. (laughs) That's all I can say. Wow. Dr. Reagan is laying it on the line as he's discussing his book, God's Prophetic Voices to America. Now, I'm getting a lot out of this interview, and I hope you are as well. To open our spiritual eyes to where we are truly at in the United States spiritually right now, how it's the responsibility of Christians everywhere, especially from the pulpits, to don't be so kind and gentle and non-offensive. As Dr. Riggs said, the gospel is offensive, right? The Bible says so, that people will be offended when you start calling out their sin and sharing that the only way to get right is to be right with God. Praise the Lord. Now, come back tomorrow. If you have not ordered your book yet, you need to go in the links down below, click on the link to order your books, God's Prophetic Voices to America, and get this thing. Order two or three of them because Christmas is coming. Praise the Lord. Now, tomorrow we'll be concluding our interview with Dr. Reagan. And until then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.